Art is more than just a composition of beautiful colors and carefully placed brushstrokes. When we can think about it more expansively, that is. Welcome to the Art of Podcast, a show that unveils the masterpiece resulting from you taking your healing into your own hands. I'm your host, Leah Fisher, a trauma survivor turned multi-awarded reflectionist artist with a master's degree in counseling. My highest intention is to create a community for self-healers. Together, we'll unlock your own creative capacity to design a life of holistic wellness and embrace the healing journey, one step at a time. Welcome back to the Art of Podcast. I am very much looking forward to my conversation today with James Hart. He is the Director of Social Innovation, Creative, and Arts Entrepreneurship at SMU with the Meadows School of Art. Welcome to the show, James. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just am a little bit floored about all your accomplishment and your creative breadth and everything that you've really invested in. And and you have such a depth within the creative community and educating people about it. And so I just, I'm very impressed by you. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So I guess just introduce yourself to my audience about your background, where you grew up, your cultural upbringing. Okay. If you want to tell me your astrological sign, if you know your big three, I want to know that too. Uh, I'm a Taurus. Oh, okay. Mid-May. Okay, I've got a Taurus moon. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, I was born in Dallas, in Oak Cliff, and uh, lived here for a number of years, and uh, then grew up in Arlington. Okay. Went to SMU for undergraduate. And I uh, left SMU. My background's theater, and that's what I studied at SMU. Did I tell you I was a theater minor in you college? You did. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I always gravitated towards uh, the the set design, though, yeah. and the lighting. I was an okay actor. I was, I mean, not very, really, but I loved makeup and costumes and everything that I could tactically feel. I totally know. get that. Yeah. 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 So um, when, it, you know, it's fine. When, when I left SMU... I swore to myself I would never return to Dallas. Mm -hmm. I felt like there wasn't enough culturally speaking here. And then I came back 20 years later to a completely transformed city. And I, you know, when I was growing up, I don't think I ever would have said Dallas is a really cool city, mm -hmm. but it is. I yeah. mean, it's, it's remarkable. And I'm so happy to be back. It's such a joy. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You know, we don't have mountains here. We don't have an ocean, but we, what we do have is culture, right? Yeah. Like we have, yep. we, they've really invested in the arts. We have a beautiful opera center and a theater yeah. center and performing arts center and museums. I mm -hmm. mean, it doesn't take natural resources to develop that within a city and, we, and we've done it. Yeah. And here in Dallas, we have the largest contiguous arts district in America. Really? Isn't that amazing? Oh, I didn't actually know that. That yeah. is. that. Well, I'm glad you came back to that. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. It's It's been such a privilege being back and uh, teaching where I went to school. Mm -hmm. You know, that's uh, that's been really fun and interesting. Uh, I've been working. Now, I think they mostly retired. I've been there nearly 10 years. But, but uh, working with people who taught me, mm -hmm. which was... Uh, pretty cool were they impressed with your progress were they like oh i never thought you'd make it <laughs> <laughs> they didn't say that okay uh, perhaps someone thinking it. who knows <laughs> what was it like growing up for you were you always involved in theater and the arts when you were a kid and did your parents support that yeah yeah they were very supportive and uh, i followed a girl into uh, speech classes in junior high mm. and then i followed her to a place called cats and i went to creative arts theater in school and uh, then followed her into high school. Clearly, I had a crush on her at the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did she return those feelings? Oh, you know, we were dear friends. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. as far as it went. But uh, still friends to this day. 
And uh, so I got involved in theater at 14, and it, it, it just really spoke to me, and it came very naturally. I think I'm a natural extrovert. Yeah. And um, it just awoke something in me. I discovered a passion for the first time, uh, a passion for uh, art, uh, theater in particular, and just never stopped. Mm-hmm. Were your parents supportive of that, or did they want you to go t- towards something more traditional, or did they kind of see the value in you pursuing something creative? Ultimately, both were, were hugely supportive. Uh, my dad wanted me to study business mm-hmm. uh, at SMU. I didn't. Uh, just studied theater, but ironically now I'm teaching business, teaching entrepreneurship at, right. at SMU. Right. But uh, I went to Yale School of Drama for my graduate studies. Got my I mean, well, there. you went to Yale. Yeah. I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, how how wonderfully pretentious <laughs> and, and beautiful. Like, it's the dream, right? Like, it's almost the mecca. I, yeah. I mean, wow. It was is, a that, dream is that rude me. to say it's pretentious? No, okay. I don't think so at all. Okay, yeah. and, but in in the way that I, w- that I really want to be pretentious. You know what I mean? Like I just aspire That's to awesome. be like that. Like it's just so cool. It was a great experience. I felt like my, my, um, my brain worked faster uh, there, just being surrounded by so many highly, highly intelligent individuals. Yeah. But that was a, that was a great experience. And, um, you know, once, once that occurred, I think uh, my father was like, oh, I th- this must be real. Mm-hmm. You know, his, his talent, there's validation from without. And, uh, yeah, they've, they've been very supportive of my pursuits and very interested in. Mm-hmm. And did you go, did you do a lot of performing? I did, yeah. Yeah, I performed uh, here in Dallas at the Dallas Theater Center, mm-hmm. uh, Shakespeare, Dallas. I think it was called uh, Dallas Shakespeare Festival mm-hmm. at the time, played Puck in the Midsummer. That was so fun. Uh, I bet. I've been yeah. to that before. It's yeah. really cool. It's a really cool env- environment, isn't it? Yeah. So, so let me ask you this about Shakespeare. This is so off script yeah. <laughs> but is it true that Shakespeare wasn't really a person that it was more like a conglomerate of people who came up with um, ideology that they were just trying to teach people enlightenment at the time is that true um, or is that a conspiracy theory? males did act exclusively um, in the plays a, l- a lot of people theorize that it may have been uh, multiple people but uh, academics have have studied the language and it would be very difficult to pull off because there's a consistency in voice mm. in the language i think that a lot of people struggle to imagine someone being that brilliant and yeah. someone who's not from the aristocracy mm-hmm. you know at the time he was uh, simply a remarkable remarkable individual mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well what a gift to be able to play puck in a midsummer's night's nice dream i mean that's really fun and cool oh it was so fun i'm a big shakespeare nerd i've played in a lot of theaters around the country and, and globally and uh, shakespeare's one of my favorite because his his genius was just so profound you know it's and and the roles are so fun yeah well, i was a i was a theater minor in undergrad and i took a shakespeare class and i mean you could study it a whole lifetime oh truly and, and never really get to everything. It's so true. I mean, you could study one play and just nail it you yeah. know, for your career. It's it's that deep and has so many different levels. What he's doing with the language is, is remarkable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, so what else as far as performing? So you did some, some theater. Did you ever do any TV or anything like that? No, I didn't pursue. You know, theater was my passion mm-hmm. and uh, pursued that uh, for many years. Uh, lived in New York, did an obligatory stint in, in L.A., Mm-hmm. New York was more my more my culture. Mm-hmm. Did, were you ever doing like Broadway, off Broadway? No, I was self producing largely. Ooh. Oh, yeah, wow. and working in other theaters and internationally. I've been in Turkey and Denmark. All my art, artistic work. Uh, uh, some of my work appeared in Iran, um, oh, Norway, wow. 
Taiwan, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of places. I, I really got into self-producing, theater making, you know, one might call it. So instead of relying on an existing play or a playwright's work, you're devising the theater yourself. Mm-hmm. And I became really inspired. After grad school, I received um, a grant, a fellowship, to study ritualistic mask dancing in Bali and India. And I uh, went on this trip. I thought I was going for two weeks. And I stayed a year because it was mm. just so mind-blowing. You know, theater would erupt on the street, literally. And, uh-huh. and studying ritualistic theater and all of these different cultures. I went through Taiwan, Indonesia, Thailand, Nepal, India. Went through Hong Kong, but mostly based in Taiwan. Mm. And uh, it really transformed me. It, it, um, it started my entrepreneurial journey, having to self-produce and be responsible for your own work, to promote the work, have your name on it you know, and uh, try to make more money than you spend. It was an enormously rewarding process. And what I found is that when I went from job seeker to job giver, that uh, my world transformed Mm -hmm. because I would be able to access people, Tony Award winning actors and major film stars who would work in my projects. And I was able to do that because I was the one offering the opportunities. And most professionals are looking for opportunities. You know, so I, I just never looked back. And I find entrepreneurship such a an act of big vision creativity it's creativity with an unequivocal impact and importance and, and i think all art has its importance you know intrinsic and extrinsic value but entrepreneurship you're putting food on plates mm. you know uh, you you are truly serving something larger than yourself you have impact hopefully you know within a community mm-hmm. yeah and i think that what i keep on reiterating on this podcast is that creativity isn't this small little box. I'm going to paint a painting. I'm going to write a song. It's whatever you're creating on the big picture of the canvas of your life. Yes. And if you choose to be an entrepreneur and that really broadens everything because everything that happens underneath your umbrella of entrepreneurship is your creation, which is complex and kind of mind blowing. Totally agree. You know, thinking about that scale of vision uh, you know, like an actor has has their role to realize the voice of the playwright under the direction of the director. Uh, then you have the playwright who told the story, Keystone, in the process, as is the actor. Right? But then you have the designers and the directors who have to interpret everyone's work. Director probably hire the actor, so on and so forth. Then you have the producer who probably hired the director. But then you have the entrepreneur who built the theater, right? And perhaps the you company. are bending my mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the level at which I like to to live uh, that larger arc. Oh, if you will. I love that. I love that. <laughs> So that kind of brings us to SMU. So, I mean, obviously this takes much skill and um, I don't think you really want to be reinventing any wheels. So now you are working with SMU and tell us about what you teach and the program and all of that. Sure. I'd love to. Um, So I was hired in 2012 to be the inaugural director of the Arts Entrepreneurship Program. I believe that entrepreneurship and arts education is critical. It's, I like to call it the missing puzzle piece of arts education. There's a standard in arts education in America and elsewhere, which is, I call it all arts technique and no real business skill. So people are taught. Oh my gosh. You know what I'm talking about? This is the worst. This is the worst. I mean, so many creative people, they have no idea how to market themselves or make money. Yeah. Yeah. Or they think they're arrogant doing so. But the reality is like, you must do it yourself until you can hire people to do it for you because no one else is going to do it otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the problem with that is that when you hire someone to do it for you, you're paying them. So yeah. that's cutting your salary in 100%. half. Right? That's exactly right. right. So you're teaching people how to uh, make money at their craft. Solve problems, mm-hmm. create opportunities for themselves and others, mm-hmm. realize value within the community, 
uh, serve, create entities. But really, it's like, you know, what do you got? Like, come up with a vision. I, I guide them through a series of experiential exercises I devise and ideation, developing mm-hmm. entrepreneurial concepts. Mm-hmm. Whatever vision they have, and, and by vision, it's not an esoteric thing. It's, uh, you know, you see in your mind's eye, in your imagination, what doesn't exist at present but can if you build it. So th- that's what I mean by create a vision. So whatever they bring to the equation, I can help them build that. And that's that's incredible. So this is a master's program, right? Well, we do have a master's program uh-huh. in arts management, two different master's programs. Okay. So one we call the Mamba program. It's a joint MA and MBA program. Mm-hmm. It's a collaboration between the art school, Meadow School of the Arts, and Cox School of Business. Mm-hmm. So in two years, students get two masters, Master of Arts and Arts Management, and an MBA. Mm, from bang for your buck. Totally. Yeah. It's a great program. It's yeah. been around for a long time. Yeah. It's remarkable. Is it a competitive program? Very competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Meaning you're coming from a really strong undergrad and very strong grades and recommendations and accomplishment probably in the real world to try to qualify for this program. That's it. Right. So in the Mamba program, they really want people who have been in the market. They understand the realities of the market and they're coming back, recognizing that they need additional skills. Mm-hmm. And experience. I think I'm a candidate. Yeah, <laughs> you check it out. It's, a, it's an amazing program. I already have so many degrees. I mean, I'm just like, oh my gosh. But I, but when I first started talking to you, I was like, oh my gosh, that would be so cool. I would love to do that. I would love to do that. It's a cool program. And the other master's program we have, I really dig this program. It's, it's international in focus, so it's mm-hmm. the Master of Management in International Arts Management. It's a collaboration with HEC, University of Montreal, uh, Bocconi uh, University in Italy, and us. And oh, uh, students travel through so many countries, like six different countries in the course of a year. Wow. Um, I think India's out right now, but, but historically they've gone to SMU for a semester. They go to Montreal, they go to Bogota, Colombia, they go to two uh, cities in India, they go to Milan, they go to two cities in China and then back to HEC in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And they do so all in the course of one year. So they gain this global perspective on arts leadership. Arts wow. Management. Well, that is absolutely, I mean, a dream. It's such a dream. And then do you have anything at the undergrad level? Yes. Yeah, so so um, we are developing a new major in social innovation, creative, and arts entrepreneurship. And I'm directing that program. And that's in a new Division, well, we've merged with Corporate Communications and Public Affairs, where these arts management programs used to live once upon a time. I'm so excited. So we're really scaling our ventures. I've been managing two minors, one in arts management, one in arts entrepreneurship for, I'm going into my 10th year now. And uh, now we're launching this major. So we're, we're taking it up, you know, a whole other level and uh, getting to collaborate with some remarkable people in the process. Wow, wow. Um, so let me ask you a question. So uh, if you're a creative, maybe you're already working as an artist in some capacity and you're listening to this podcast and you're just kind of stuck in this place, um, what would you, what path should they go down? Should they start kind of qualifying to get into some kind of program like this or is it some real life experience that you just like general experience that you give everyone that's trying to, to support themselves in the creative arts. So what do you tell people who are at the very beginning of their journey? I would say that advanced education is uh, not for everyone. And what I mean by that is that they're not interested mm-hmm. in that. Um, if you feel like you need additional skills and you want to gain that experience and fast track your education, then absolutely. You know, check out various schools. Ours uh, offers a, some amazing programs. Mm-hmm. 
However, there, there's a lot of value to be found in real-world experience. You know, being in the market, the trials and tribulations, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, you, in essence, gain your MBA, I put that in air quotes, uh, through experience. Mm -hmm. And experience is, is really the, the mother of learning in my mind. I mean, experience affords wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you, if you gain a lot of experience by trying, uh, throwing yourself out there, then you'll gain traction in what it is you're doing. You start to gain momentum in the process. And as you start to accomplish things, whether it be just starting to build a website or develop a pitch or refining your story for branding purposes, et cetera, once you start, you've gained that momentum. It's easier to continue, right? And once you start accomplishing milestones or major goals, then you gain that confidence, right? You just want to keep going. And when you start to get feedback from the market, like people become your customers or audience members, it's it's a transformational process because uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, you realize that, you know. So education for some, not necessary always, mm -hmm. you know, for others. What is necessary, though, is action. Yeah. Yeah. You just can't sit back and wait for someone to discover you. Truly. Right. Like yeah. that, that's kind of different. That's kind of like old. The, the market's so big now. Yeah. And there, that's good because a lot of people are buying art and consuming artistic modalities and you know i think it's really valued more today than it ever really has been yeah and you know we live in the information age with with the internet the world wide web you know you can access audiences little pockets in japan like you know little community in canada that digs your work mm -hmm. so on and so forth you can have a global audience comprised of these little pockets that together you know uh create for a viable sustainable business in your program, do you, I'm sure you do, address social media and how to optimize that and really, um, I don't know, grow an audience and everything around your art? Yes. So so we have an individual, uh, Steve mm -hmm. Lee, he's expert in, in this area, and he teaches that particular component because it's a big topic, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we each focus on our, our respective areas of expertise. So uh, he does that, and we have other people addressing that in different ways, um, so we have a, a lot of remarkable people in this division who specialize. Yeah. I mean, I personally, I feel like where art and money kind of come together these days is social media and digital marketing and digital <laughs> and digital creation because, True. oh my gosh, I mean, it's just where everything is and whether you're making reels or you're doing art for your podcast or whatever you're doing, it takes some, some vision and so, I mean, I feel like if you're a young person that's wanting to go into an artistic field, like this is it's a huge opportunity. Yeah. And truly, truly, the hardest part is just starting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you wrote a book. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And so, so someone who might not be able to go to your program, they might gain some knowledge that they can delve into them by themselves from your book. I would think so. Yeah. Uh, the book is called Classroom Exercises for Entrepreneurship, yeah. a cross-disciplinary approach. So I, I designed it for educators to adopt these experiential exercises with which to teach. However, a lot of entrepreneurs have found value in this book, and uh, they can go through the exercises themselves. And, and the idea, I say exercises, uh, because it's an experiential opportunity, right? So games, simulations, demonstrations, projects, this sort of thing. By going through the process, by experiencing it, you discover what it is you're learning. And when you discover your knowledge, you own it. Mm -hmm. right? So you don't have to have faith that what I, as professors, say is so. You know because you have experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of self-teaching. And That's so you're, you're learning and teaching at the same time. So yeah. it's double reinforcing the knowledge. Yeah. yeah, these exercises provide a structure for you to go through that. Yeah, yeah. 
That's very interesting. Where can people buy that book? Amazon. Okay. Okay. And I'll link that in, in the show notes too. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, what has been the biggest success story coming out of your program? I mean, one, maybe one or two, so we don't single anyone out, but is there anybody that's like a interesting example of somebody who's left your program and really been a success? Yes. Uh, a number of individuals and you know, uh, success, you know, we each define what success means that's to fair. us, right? Yeah. Um, in, in B schools, they, they measure by dollars. Mm -hmm. Okay. And in the arts, we measure by sustainability and impact typically, but also you got a profit, right? Yes. So, uh, one of our recent alums, uh, just had a $52 million valuation. Whoa. This company. Isn't that astounding? Wow. You know, not everyone can do that, but, uh, but he has. Yeah. And, what uh, kind of company was it? It's called Outpost Brands. Okay. So, so it's uh, a branding company. Yes, in part, but also a CBD extract startup. Interesting. They've done enormously well. There's a lot of money in some CBD and, oh, yes. and cannabis. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, okay. So this is really brilliant. I love that you're really bringing to the world that artists don't have to be starving because when I was younger, I was certainly so creative, but I, you know, I just, I never had someone who expanded me enough to say, you can really make a living at this. You Many know, people do. Yeah. And it's all I ever wanted to do when I was young, anything creative, you know, yeah. but when I went to college, um, I mean, I, I majored in English and theater, but I never planned on getting a job around that. I just yeah. was trying to get through school. Yeah. And then I went into sales because Fascinating. I needed to make money. You can use those theater skills and skills. You do. You also use English skills mm -hmm. as well. I mean, it's both of those areas of study have served me well. However, I never followed a passion to become an actor or mm -hmm. to become a writer, you know, and now I, I kind of accidentally fell into it, but I just love that you're out there telling people that it is possible to make a living, a very good living, and it really takes skill and deliberate action and it's possible for you. Absolutely possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's oh, great. Well, as a, a huge creative and a very productive person, I am really making a jump in an assumption that you engage in self-care and have had your healing journey because what I see the most creative minds, there's always that element because it takes some element of pain and growth in order to have depth, in order to have even the motivation to want to create, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what about your healing journey? Yeah, so I've been a part of these programs, uh, which were remarkable, and I really value and would repeat if I could. But any sort of program that you go through, you are programmed, mm -hmm. right? So value systems are instilled, a uh, sense of good and bad and so on and so forth, and dualistic ideas. Um, what I found is that the clothes no longer fit, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I found that... I didn't want to pursue the programming and the path that I was taught. Are you talking about programming like from your parents? Or education. From, or your education. Okay, yeah. just like formal higher education. And really any sort of program, right? Like yeah. um, uh, cultural programming, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the value systems instilled, uh, this sort of thing. I encountered the work of a mythologist, an academic named Joseph Campbell. And he's inspired so many artists uh, yes. with his work. Yes. George Lucas was inspired in the creation of Star Wars and, and many, many others. But uh, his content, he discovered um, what's known as the mythic structure of the journey of the hero, the hero adventure. 
that exists in most novels we read, most plays we watch, uh, presumably since the dawn of storytelling. And uh, one has to ask, you know, why, why does this exist? Why is this in stories in ancient Mexico and Egypt? They weren't communicating with one another. Uh, there's a theorist named, uh, uh, Swiss psychoanalyst named Carl Jung, and uh, he defines this concept called the collective unconscious. And we, you know, that we were all united on an underlying, underlying uh, level of consciousness. And that the hero journey may be uh, subconsciously how we perceive our walk through life, right? So a call to an adventure, it's scary, we refuse the call, right? But then we accept and everything starts to transform in the landscape. Opportunity starts to emerge. We gain mentors, allies, potentially enemies, you know, overcome obstacles, change, take some hard knocks, go into the belly of the beast where it seems that there is no light, you know, just darkness. It's meant to devour us. But if we emerge, yeah, we're scarred, but we're more capable right, of going forward, so on and so forth. You fight your dragon. We each have our respective dragons. And you gain that treasure, which ultimately is self-knowledge, right? So, and then we question, like, do we, do we want to go back to where we were, where the story began, where there was a gap that led to the whole journey starting? But if you don't, if you don't serve your community with what you've gained, then you're not a hero or heroine, mm -hmm. right? Because that is the very definition. You serve something larger than yourself. So discovering this work... And recognizing, you know, if, okay, if this is how we as people tend to perceive our walk through life, uh, then we can live our lives choosing to be heroic, right? Serving something larger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. And you can use the, the structure, which I partly just articulated, uh, the hero journey structure, and you can ask yourself, where am I on my adventure? You know, so heroes go on adventures. That just means going into the unknown. We're in the unknown all the time, mm -hmm. truly, mm -hmm. right? So if we, if we commit, to the journey and allow ourselves to be adaptable and you know constantly shift and know that we're going to change and maybe get a little beat up but ultimately grow and learn and discover in that process i find that enormously empowering mm. and when i encounter obstacles threshold guardians who say you can't go here this sort of thing um you know i can i can reflect and be like oh maybe this is a threshold guardian you know how do heroes uh, i'll use that in unisex how do heroes uh, deal with obstacles they either sneak around them Right, they destroy them, which I don't recommend. Mm -hmm. Right, or they befriend them, make them allies, and then they gain access. You know, mm -hmm. this sort of thing. So you can use that really, really ancient knowledge that again is prevalent in every world culture. It seems uh, to your advantage and to to grow. It's ultimately a process towards autonomy, uh, towards individuation, right, and finding your place within the community and culture and service. Mm -hmm. And. Are you just extracting your personal experience by what you know about the hero's journey, or is there some kind of resource that, like a book or a workbook, or that you can kind of access, looking at the parallels between what you're going through and your like where you are in the hero's journey and comparing the two? Okay, so I'll recommend some resources. Okay. Uh, the first, um, Power of Myth. It's a television series. Uh, Bill Moyers interviewed Joseph Campbell, so you get to hear directly from him. He's hilarious. Great storyteller. It was one of the more popular uh, series on PBS. I have seen it on Netflix. Don't know if it's there now. I think it's on Gaia. Is it? Yeah, I think that's Fantastic. the one I saw. But I'll find wherever the link is and put it in the show notes. Perfect. Yeah, yeah it's it, it was such an inspiring six-part series and uh, really, really inspiring. Uh, he wrote this huge seminal text called The Hero with a Thousand Faces, very academic, but inspiration to be found if one is interested. Um, there's a companion called the Joseph Campbell Companion. I call it like the best of, if you will, of Joseph Campbell. Little short chapters, you know, with uh, 
just illuminating stories and insights. It's, it's phenomenal. And you can find that on Amazon or most book providers and such. Um, but also, if you're interested in storytelling, screenplay writing, uh, there's a book called The Writer's Journey. Uh, Christopher Vogler wrote this, and uh, he took Campbell's work and applied it to film and found that uh, very often the scripts, when they don't work, he was brought in to serve as a script doctor on The Lion King, mm-hmm. and he discovered, like, oh, I think you're missing a couple components of the hero journey. You know, address those, and it became The Lion King, as mm-hmm. we know. So uh, that's a great book to understand through the perspective of movies, how this structure is incorporated, uh, people's varied journeys in the process. But the, the Joseph Campbell Companion, that would be a great one to start at. Very digestible. You know, read it in little short increments if you like. I find it hugely inspiring. You're, you're really inspiring me because, I mean, I, I have, I'm aware of the hero's journey, kind of, yeah. but I don't really know how it fits with me and my personal journey. So I feel like that's something that every single person would really benefit from knowing something about that, you know, because we are all on this journey, this hero's truly. journey. Yeah, yeah. Truly. Yeah, truly. I will say uh, one step that I think is particularly important to focus on, which is the call to adventure. Okay, so an archetype, cast of characters, if you will, in the hero journey, the ancient patterns of human behavior, uh, a herald presents themselves and says, hey, wait, sleepy, wake up. It's time to go on an adventure into the unknown. Mm. Okay, uh, Usually the hero, heroine, will say no. You know? <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. today. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, not watching, I'm watching Netflix. Yeah, totally. No thanks. That's the idea, right? Yeah. So, so I'm not interested. I'm not equipped. I don't want that. So on and I'm so I'm not forth. worthy. I can't do that. I've tried that before. It didn't work. Yeah, exactly. If you continue to say no, opportunity goes away. Yeah. It dries up. Uh, you will not be able to realize that opportunity. Sometimes it circles back around, but probably not. Mm. That is the most boring story of all, mm. right? Is opportunity unrealized. You don't say yes to the adventure. Mm. Uh, heroes, if, if you're going to go on the journey, you must say yes, right? But you don't have to do it alone because you can engage with mentors. You know, And mentors are just people who know more than you do about a particular topic, can equip you with skills, knowledge, and tools, right? So it can be truly be anyone can, can serve as a mentor and they will push you forward on the adventure and find allies, your friends, colleagues, people who believe in your cause, like-minded individuals. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's so good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get that little booklet. I'm gonna do that. I definitely <laughs> want to, because I love how the, the kind of the, one of the end goals is service. Because I was just listening to Almost Thirty podcast, and they had Aubrey Marcus. Do you, are you familiar with either one of these people in the podcast world? Like these people are, are huge uh, podcasts, but they are talking to each other, which is two powerhouses coming together. And they were talking about service and how it's a collapse of giving and receiving because you get so much more from service than, than you give. So it's really this one entity. It, um, the benefit is it, the receiving and the giving are the same and they collapse into each other. I love that. Yeah, I, I probably am not saying it as eloquently as Aubrey Marcus did. <laughs> <laughs> However, I love reaffirming that service really is the the pinnacle of what we're doing everything for. It's know? vitalizing. It's necessary. Yeah. It's important. It's an act of good. Yeah. And then giving your energy and your love and your service, I mean, it just comes like bouncing back to you, yeah. you know, and what I, and what I think we all want, or at least what I want is connection and love mm-hmm. 
And I just don't think there's any better way to really experience that in its fullness than service. Totally agree. And it doesn't have to even be large scale service, Mm -mm. you know, to serve someone within your life, you know, some significant other, family member, friend, right? It just means putting the focus off of just you, Mm -hmm. putting it onto someone else and trying to do good. You know, it's serving serving something larger than yourself, but also sometimes it requires sacrificing your own needs and interests in in pursuit of helping another. Yeah. And and that's just so important. You yeah. know, it's uh, some people just serve themselves. Nothing particularly enlightened about that. Yeah. Right. And it's and it's just interesting. Everything is balanced, right? Mm-hmm. Because you have those people who are completely self-consumed, but then you have people who um more codependency, right? Yeah. Like, like there are, I'm going to do for everyone because it's really, it's not coming from this generous filled up place. It's more like I'm a martyr. I'm going to do this and I am going to hold you emotionally hostage to do, yeah. to, to give back to me. Mm. Look at me, look at everything I do for you. Mm, that sounds like narcissism. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it can be connected. Yeah. It can be connected to so many different things, but I think that Everything can be out of balance and we really, no matter where we are, we just really have to, uh, check ourselves and our motivation Mm -hmm. because, you know, you can take the service and make it a very, very, uh, self-serving. I like to be responsibly selfish, not self-consumed narcissism, right? Like, so, so, but you never know, or I never know like when I'm slipping into it, but I think a good, uh, frame of reference is how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, are yeah. you, are you feeling victimized? Or are you feeling sad? Are you feeling lonely? Are you feeling taken advantage of? Well, you might be engaging in some codependency and yeah. some narcissism mm-hmm. or are you feeling loving and have energetic and like have energy and, um, are inspired to create things with meaning. I mm-hmm. think that you're probably engaging in service in a very meaningful way. Truly. And, and I think there is, um, a, measure of importance in in serving yourself and and what i mean in this particular context is loving yourself Mm -hmm. right and and attending to your needs not based on your programming right but acting out of your own center one thing that's really helped me you know coming back to to resources and and things that are um, healthy moving forward that can benefit potentially benefit others is uh doing away with the toxic people in your life Mm. Right. Uh, I heard you on uh, one of your episodes mention the artist way. That's a great book. I cannot make it through that. Yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. morning pages kill me every time. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. happens beyond the morning pages? Well, I, I will say this: you're not alone. Okay. But, um, <laughs> uh, I find of most value in that particular book, the morning pages, yeah. which is three pages stream of consciousness. Yes. You know, typically in the morning, as yeah. you know. Uh, the other one is uh, what she calls an artist date. So mm-hmm. take yourself out on a date, mm. right? So no one, you, you can do whatever you want. Follow whatever impulse you feel, right? Because it's just you. And, and you give that to yourself. You refill the well, you know, so to speak, uh, impulses and this sort of thing. I'm going to restart that book too. I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've started it three times and this would be the fourth. Yeah. You know, she, she talks about toxic relationships as well and, yeah. and just weeding those out. I went through that process. I mentioned I, w- I was in Asia for, for a year. When I came back, um, I had uh, ended a relationship that I perceived was not healthy. Mm-hmm. And then I, I decided, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to accept toxic relationships within my life anymore. And I'm going to clean out my closet, so to speak, relationship-wise. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at all of the major relationships in my life. And I asked myself, is that life-affirming or life-negating? And if it was life negating, goodbye. And I literally said goodbye to some people, you know, like, I'm sorry, I can't be your friend anymore because this isn't healthy. And, 
And what, something remarkable happened. Um, one, it gave me a greater sense of uh, pride because I was taking care of myself. Uh, but two, it made space for positive people. Mm. And by knowing what I don't want, uh, I was able to better identify what I do want. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I didn't compromise any longer. And so in, in investing in myself in that respect and positive life-affirming relationship, my life transformed for the better. Mm. That is a tough one. It is because tough. That's tough yeah. because if you're trying to avoid loneliness and yeah. also hurting people's feelings, I mean, oh my gosh, I'm going to make them feel this way. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to do. It's a very self-loving act, but not for the not for beginners. <laughs> it's totally, it's really tough, right? And, yeah. and uh, you know, sometimes, I think sometimes we get fixed in relationships because it's what we've always done and known. Right? Well, I've known that person since grade school, mm -hmm. you know, and you, we just get into these patterns, a status quo, mm -hmm. right? So but sometimes it's important to break the status quo and by doing so, reconfigure it. Did any of them come back to you and say, oh, that was the wake up call I needed to realize that my behavior wasn't serving me? Some or did they're like no screw that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes and yes. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, some some reached out and really wanted to continue the relationship, but you know we only have so many minutes and hours in a day, and I was interested in uh, making room for life affirming relationships, and I decided I'm going to move on for this from this relationship, and I didn't always trust that that things would be new in the relationship. So uh, I, I never looked back in, yeah. in those respects. Well, I'm civil. Yeah. You know, of course. Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, I think, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, I yeah, very good. Very good. I heard you mention something on one of your episodes about that, about toxic relationships. And oh, that's my, that's my, my master's program. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, um, this is a hard one for me. This is a hard one for me because uh, I, I, I really try, sometimes I have a hard time understanding who's actually the toxic one. Mm, is it them? Is it me? Is it the culmination of what we are together? And um, I can see things very differently on a different day. Like yeah. I, I can be so right one day and yeah. then completely wrong the next day. No, you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, and I, t I mean... It's hard for me. It's hard for me with family. It's hard for me with with just I, and and what I tend to do uh, have problems with is setting boundaries. Oh yeah. I um I tend to be a little codependent, sometimes a little people pleasing, and if I'm not that, I set a boundary with a machete. Mm, interesting. Right. Yeah. So um this is just something that is always this continuous work that I do. Yeah. Um. So. And. Yeah. I mean, some people I have kind of severed ties with, but th these people are such my mirror Yeah, that, you know, they, they bring up my issues mm. a lot. And so I really try to lean into myself and say, okay, before we start like amputating people's <laughs> legs off, mm -hmm. where, how am I showing up to that? And how am I contributing to this space? And, mm -hmm. and, um, and try to work on that too. But it, you know, it's all just such a journey. It is a journey, right? <laughs> it's a process. Yeah. And an adventure. Yeah. I wish I could get to a space where I'm like, T -t -t -t. but I don't trust myself into, I just don't trust myself who's toxic, who's not, yeah. basically, Yeah. at this stage in my life. So. Yes, I do understand. You know, I, myself, I've, I ask myself, does this feel good or bad? And I try to trust my instincts, right? I, I try to trust 
my emotions, not what do I want, mm-hmm. right? But is this current situation, this this environment, is it is it good? Mm-hmm. Is it bad for me? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I feel mm-hmm. within that? And I've learned to really trust um, my feelings uh, in in respect to relationships. And sometimes, you know, just to take distance will give perspective, just to remove yourself for a period of time and figure things out. You know, I, I know you've spoken about the self-work you've done um, individually in this process of, of growing and such. And, and gosh, that's so important just to take that time. And, and we hear that so often, right? Mm-hmm. Until you can love yourself, you can't mm-hmm. love others. You right. Know, this sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. But uh, th- there is some measure of truth just becoming comfortable uh, alone, mm-hmm. independently, and uh reinventing if need be mm-hmm. you know and i think that when you sever those toxic relationships you're making space yeah. you're making time and energy to yeah do so. yeah and i and i like that except sometimes for me when i feel bad it is so not about the other person but about my childhood trauma and my and my programming yeah. so that's why i mean i can get my feelings hurt so much but that wasn't their intention at all yeah. but like Whatever's in my head is really like putting that lens over it. Yeah, that's fairly said. So, I mean, yeah, but I want to, I I want to get to a place where I'm like, okay, this is life affirming, and this is not, and I'm just not going to accept it and totally trust my intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I admire that in you. Well, and I have that trauma too. We all do, right? Yeah. It's um, it, it is such a process, process of discovery. You know, I'm. I'm I'm sure most of us are still on this journey of self-discovery. I feel like in my 40s, I've kind of figured out who I am. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. I had a teacher. Yeah, he said, uh, you know, guys, the 20s is just awful. It's too high, too low, yeah. up and down. The 30s are better. You start to figure yourself out. The 40s are sweet. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's what I found as well. I'm like, okay, I'm not doubting any longer. But yeah. it's still such a process. It is such a process, and and I, I feel that way too. And I also feel like a lot of the same problems are there, but I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I don't suffer over them so yeah. much. I'm like, oh, that's cute. Like, like in the twenties, I'll go like ground. Yeah, like oh god, is, yeah. this is so heavy. And now I'm like, oh, there you are again. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> but uh, that's a lot about that shadow work with Carl Jung yeah. too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, well. Oh my gosh, this is really, really great. Thank you so much for joining what me. What a pleasure. I've, I've so enjoyed your podcast and your your art is amazing. It's a joy to have this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm sure we will talk a lot more in the future. Where can people find you? Um, so if, if you Google Jim Hart or James Hart, I go by both, uh, SMU, mm-hmm. you'll find me. Okay. And then I'll link your book in the show notes for those who of us who don't have a year or the money to travel around the world <laughs> for a year. <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh we, you can shed some light on how we make money with our art sounds good okay thank you so much thank you okay as always thank you for listening all the way through to the end of the art of podcast i really appreciate it if you are enjoying the show please leave me a five-star review and a written review it helps the show get listened to and distributed and it's just really good and i want to Thank you in advance for that. If you want to connect with me on Instagram, it's Leah Fisher Art. And also visit my website because I have a great section that highlights a lot of the resources that I talk about on the show. And then it also has some of my art too if you want to scroll around and look at that. And if you guys have any resources that you are 
really enjoying that are helping your healing or just making life a little bit better, share those with me because I would love to share them with my audience. And in the meantime, I hope everyone's doing great and I will talk with you soon.